0: Welcome to Quarantine Spook Show. I'm Kyle Carezzi. And it's been a time. This is the show where I do improvised horror stories. Uh, What I do is I pull out titles uh, randomly from a jar. And I make up the stories from there. And some of the titles are submitted by the audience. Uh... So if you have any titles that you'd like to submit, you can send them to quarantinespookshow at gmail.com or you can send them to me to uh, through more direct means. But yeah, it is certainly a bit of time. Took an extended holiday break. I came back into the uh, world continuing to be in shambles. As I've talked about multiple times, uh, the show started off as a pandemic pet project, pretty much. And then it kind of turned into this whole different thing. I'm still waiting for the title and uh initial beginning of the show to be uh to be at a date to be dated but it doesn't quite seem like the turmoil ever ends does it That's been a time. I caught COVID. I had a breakup. And I moved to a different time zone. But at the moment, uh, there's a storm brewing outside. And, uh, I'm not just talking about Ukraine. So yeah, let's get into it. Okay, this first story is called There Are Bones Inside These Parade Floats. And the wind is howling. Gene, I just don't know. Is this really the best time for a parade? Gene was thumbing through his clipboard. Checking if he had anything right. And then Gene turned to Paul and was just like, well, yeah. This is the best time to have a parade, for sure. You know, the city wants a parade. Capital One is funding it. You know, frankly, my hands are tied. And Paul said, Yeah, but well, I mean, no one really missed parades, did they? And Gene was like, What are you talking about? People love parades. And Paul's just like, Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, you just kind of stand there and watch all the floats go by one by one. And Gene was like, but Paul, have you seen the floats this year? Gene led Paul through the warehouse. And he just said, take a look at this one. Paul looked up and just saw the giant Garfield float. And Gene was just like, well, what, is, what does that look like to you? And Paul was like, well, I mean, it looks like Garfield. And then Gene was like, you're damn straight, it's Garfield. Paul was taking a closer look at it. It didn't quite have that, uh, Macy's Day Parade craftsmanship to it. You can tell it wasn't licensed by, uh, Jim Davis and, a uh, Scarfield people. It definitely looked homemade. It was Garfield but it wasn't quite Garfield. His whiskers were unaligned, his eyes were two different sizes. It wasn't something that you would recognize as Garfield unless someone told you like hey look at this Garfield and it's just like oh yeah I guess this is Garfield. And Gene said, now tell me that isn't great. And Paul said, I don't know. I mean, like, it's, you know, it's, it's just, you know, it's Garfield, I guess, you know. Could have called me for Heathcliff, I don't know. And then Gene was like, well, that's, that's fucking Garfield, all right. Paul was remembering an ad. He was was starting to see more at airports from Capital One and other credit card companies. They pretty much just said DIY is overrated. It would always be on one of those uh, flickering posters. Like, you would read it and you would think, does that say what I think it says? And then immediately flip to an ad. enhancing its more subliminal properties and then Paul said well couldn't capital one get licensing from Garfield and then Jean said what do you mean and Paul said well I mean you know it doesn't it just it doesn't look like Garfield is what I'm getting at about this float then Gene said, no, this is a Garfield float. And Paul's like, what are you... This doesn't look... This barely looks anything like Garfield. It's a big orange cat, I get it. Cartoony, sure. But this isn't like, you know... Doesn't have that, uh, that authenticity to it. In, in that classic commercialization kind of way. And then Gene said, no, well, they... They sent over this. Capital One went to the Garfield people, to Jim Davis, was like, hey, we could really use a sweet Garfield float. We want to use your likeness. And then Jim Davis was all like, I'll do you one better. Uh, We'll send you uh, one of our floats. And then Paul was like, they have multiple floats? Gene nodded and was like, oh yeah. Of course they do, why wouldn't they? Garfield's been an American staple for decades, you know? American is apple pie and all that shit. But yeah, every time there's like a float with Garfield or something, you know, Jim Davis would always save the float. He has a whole uh, abandoned airport property that he purchased just where he stores uh, Garfield floats. They're all in an airplane hangar. Paul's just like, oh, that's. So, this is like a. How old is this float? And Gene said, oh, it's a. Uh, 1980s, I think, give or take. 86, I think I heard. And then Paul said, you got a float from the 1980s uh, for Capital One's City Parade? And Gene said, well, yeah. I mean, like, you know, the uh, the companies that make the floats for, like, Macy's Day parades and stuff, uh, you know, they focus on more uh, contemporary things, images and whatnot. Um, you know, Garfield hasn't really been contemporary in some time. I mean, sure, he's a staple. He's around. Maybe some kids read him or something. Um, but there's other cartoons out there, you know? Garfield has a lot to compete with. So it's not like Capital One can get, like, a new Garfield float manufactured. I mean, they could if they wanted to, but they chose not to. I mean, look, I wasn't expecting this float to look so 80s either, you know? I didn't know either. I I didn't—I wasn't part of that exchange. I'm just here to monitor the parade, make sure all the floats and the marching bands go out— You know, that's, that's my duty here. I didn't, I'm not responsible for this. And Gene just kind of gestured his hand around the Garfield uh, structure for this, this whole Garfield thing here. And Paul said, okay, so, so is this the one I'm gonna be driving? Paul said, that's right. And Paul said, uh, okay, is it, I mean, is it safe? And Jean said, um, safe-ish, I think. I mean, it's a pretty old car, too. And then Paul's like, it's the same car? Gene said, yeah, yeah, it's, I think it's like a, it's like an old Chevy, you know? Also pretty American, right? And Paul's just like, alright, yeah. Get this parade started, then. And then. Gene said, yeah, thanks. And listen, I'm really glad that you came out to volunteer your time and all that. You know, I really appreciate it. And Paul said, yeah, I guess, um... Yeah, sure, that's... Alright. Let's ride the Garfield float. Paul didn't really have a good feeling about it. He drove the Garfield float uh, to the starting point for the parade outside the city. And I guess there was a little bit of a delay. So they're all just kind of waiting out there, pretty much waiting for their signal to commence the parade floats and all that. And it was a very hot day, too. Probably upwards of 107. Paul's getting hot. was just standing outside the float, leading on the car. Kept smoking. I was getting really heat exhausted, and he was like, "Fucking, I get stuck with this Capital One parade. Doesn't make any sense." He was looking at the skyline of the city. He was like, "Well, at least it's very beautiful." So while Paul was smoking, uh, he started to hear some sobbing. I thought he was hearing things at first. Uh, All the other drivers for the parade float and the band, the marching bands and all that, were kind of just standing around chatting uh, at their stations, but still pretty loose about it. Paul thought he was just hearing things, uh, just coming from the stress of waiting in glorified traffic. Then he heard more of the sobbing. And it was coming from the parade flute. following with the sound. The car he was in was uh, disguised underneath the float, and he had to crawl under under it to access the car. And he could access the other parts inside the float too. But he had to, like, crawl around significantly to get there. Paul said hello. Still the sobbing continued. So Paul put out a cigarette. Climb underneath the float to get in. The sobbing was coming uh, closer to the head, which was a much harder part to access. And then Paul just shouted, "Hey, who's in there?" It was getting really hot underneath the float. At least in the car, there's air conditioning. But under the float structure itself, it was getting pretty brutal. Upwards of 120 degrees. shouted, hey, who's in here? But still the sobbing persisted. It was louder now that he was inside the parade float. So he tried to jimmy his arms and his legs, trying to climb up the parade float. It's like, alright, I'm coming up. Try to climb up on top of the car. It was like trying to climb up two walls close together. A little bit easier, because he could grip the inside of the float a bit easier. He's crawling up the Garfield structure and was in the stomach area. And that was the first time he ever felt like uh, lasagna. A feeling uh, and thought that he never really thought he'd have. But still, he kept climbing up. But still, the sobbing was louder and louder. At this point, he was getting concerned. Hey, are you lost? Hey, are you hurt? The heat inside the float was deadly. He was concerned for whatever person uh, was inside the float, trapped in it, presumably. He's starting to get a little bit speculative about it, having some fantasies. Oh my God! How much? How long has this person been in here? Are they hungry? Are they thirsty? We gotta get him out of here immediately. We might have to call off the whole parade. That thought itself, uh, sparked some particular joy with Paul. Oh, to cancel the parade. The Capital One Citywide Parade. Not really, uh, celebrating any specific holiday or a sense of pride in anything that's worthwhile. Just a fucking bank throwing money at something. Paul's getting more heat exhausted. Panting, sweating. But then he made it to the head wasn't what he expected there was a very small opening at around where Garfield's neck, neck was and he passed through that and made it to inside Garfield's head and there's a wooden floor area at the base of Garfield's neck and Paul was like what is going on? You could see the inside outline of Garfield's head. His gap, the gaps of where the ears were. And like the rest of the inside of the parade flow, just a... dense orange light filter. That colored everything. But he looked around the wooden floor. It was like its own little room. Found some empty bags of Doritos, a couple of natty light crushed beer cans, pieces of lint, ah, crumbs, condiment stains, all that. The most jarring thing he found were bones, small human-shaped bones all around the floor, all dislocated from each other and spread out. Were tiny hand bones for fingers and toes. He did see a femur at one point, and he held it in his hand, and it felt weird. It gave him a flash about his fears about his own mortality. He was up there and he was wondering, but where did the sobbing come from? He picked up the femur again. This time he felt some immense spiritual pain. thought, maybe this was where the sobbing was coming from. The spirit of whoever these bones belong to. Maybe that's where the sounds and the despair was coming from. Shit, we actually probably do have to cancel the, this parade. We gotta I gotta get out here and tell someone. You try to go back to that opening in the wooden floor. But it'll seal it was sealed, sealed off. The closure resembled the walls of the float, uh, orange. He tried to pry it open a little bit. There was a slight opening in the middle that he could fit his fingers through. He tried to open it more and more, but it was a little bit stretchy. He took the femur, uh, he took or took one of the bones and then just trying to jam at it. Trying to pry it open like it, like it was a crowbar. So then he tried to crawl in. But it just felt like he was going through this very tight tube. He didn't understand it at all. It's not like these gaps of opening, uh, that were present when he was climbing up the Garfield Float. He was climbing down this, uh, extremely tight tube. Luckily he was sweaty enough to be able to slide himself down. It was getting extremely hot. He was running out of air he started to slow down started to panic. started to hyperventilate and sweat and he felt like he was going to pass out but he still tried to crawl, kept crawling through his body was definitely downward, upside down but still he was suspended in the air This strange tight enclosure within Garfield's body. Eventually felt like he was losing consciousness. As much as he tried to fight to stay awake, to stay alert, to stay vigilant. He felt himself fading. He was worried that it would be the end. His last moments, he recalled uh, recalled something specific about this day. A sick, cruel irony that could have made his death the worst one he could possibly imagine. That it was a Monday. This next story is called There's Plastic in My Bloodstream. Dr. Rogers was uh, was having a long day. Spent the entire day trying to detect z- diseases in certain blood cells. Brandy Wine wine Foundation Dr. Rogers was the go-to for any obscure diagnosis and That's why the foundation existed. Usually a lot of the clients I would uh, show up to this uh, very uh, glorified clinic for patients that were either very well off and could afford the most superb healthcare available or for anomalies. The foundation uh, hired a a lot of doctors with various, uh, specialties in medicine. And often when, uh, a lot of standard hospitals, uh, couldn't give a proper diagnosis of some rare disease of, or of, of some sort. If the patient could afford it. then they'd they'd be sent to the Foundation. And Dr. Rogers was having a very long day. Had an eye for cell detection and all that. And when he was looking at his last sample on his workday, he was just like, oh, why can't people just see what's so obvious, you know? His mind was encyclopedic in a lot of regards. As a child, he was fascinated with anomalies, or with anatomies. He was fascinated with anatomy. When he went to med school, he uh, studied anomalies specifically, and steered the trajectory of his career from there. Again, he was getting tired. He wasn't ready to retire yet, but already into his late 50s, he could tell that his body was slowing down, his mind not as sharp as it used to be. The reason why he wanted to study anomalies in the first place because he'd always see something new, something obscure. It was like a riddle to be solved, but he developed such a mastery of picking up on these obscure diseases that started to bore him. Everything he's seen, he's seen at least three to seven times. A lot of COVID variants sent his way to study them, and that's what added so many hours to his day. Started off as a as a morbid type of excitement at first. But then, after a certain point, he was just like, "Ah, oh, well, plenty of." virologist can do this. But on this particular day, he was tired. He had two days off coming up. It's been four months since he's had two days off in a row. And as much of a workaholic he was, he was excited about it. Excited to rest. Maybe watch. Maybe watch some television. Oh yeah, what's the TV doing these days? And midway through this fantasy, when he was finishing his last sample, another doctor came in. Doctor Rogers. Doctor Rogers sighed. He knew this tone. What does someone need help with now? Dr. Rogers said. And then the doctor said, Oh, I can, I can, uh, we we can handle it. You don't gotta, you don't gotta worry about it. Dr. Rogers was like, No, you clearly need my help. Whatever you need help with, you know. You couldn't figure it out, so, What is it? What is it? And then the young doctor was like, Uh, well, we got this, um, Sky came in, uh, You should just see for yourself. Dr. Rogers went to the lab next door. Several uh, doctors were surrounding this microscope for this blood sample. And then Dr. Rogers says, okay, so what is it, what is it? Doctors just kinda moved away from the microscope and Dr. Rogers took a look. He looked at the blood sample, uh, you know, all seemed pretty standard. But as he looked at the blood cells, uh, half of them were blood cells. But the other cells weren't, uh, weren't of the human body. Dr. Rogers looked at them for a bit. And then he said, is that? And then another doctor chimed in. It's plastic. They're cells for plastic. Dr. Roger said, How is that possible? And the doctor that like, brought him in just like shrugged and nodded. And then Dr. Roger said, Well is that uh, is that patient uh, who's the patient? And one doctor said, He's still here. He's here? Doctor Rogers said. Right, well let's see him. Mm-hmm. Doctor Rogers watched it walked into a to a patient room. The patient was probably about his uh in his late thirties. Dr. Rogers said, uh so you're him. And the guy said, Yeah, that's uh that's me. So Dr. Rogers said, Well what did you do? And the guy just shrugged, you know. He rubbed his balding head and was just like, Well, that's uh look, there's one day I was making uh, some some ramen noodles and stuff and like a cup already there was some plastic in it uh, that got microwaved uh, and they're like little bits it was a weird cup it was just like some bits of plastic that were like in with the noodles and all that so I just ate it anyway I didn't care um, even though I know it's not you're not supposed to eat plastic or anything like that it's not good you can't inhale it when it's on fire or eat it when it's microwaved I know but I was just like fuck man I'm hungry so I, I just ate it and then I started feeling a little bit funny, and it's was like, oh, it must, be, it must be the plastic. So I go to the hospital, and I was like, oh, I got to a little bit sick. I need some plastic. So they couldn't get a, uh, a diagnosis on me or anything. They take my blood. Uh, and that's when they kept sending me to different rooms. Uh, they sent me to different hospitals. They told, they told me about this place. This um, place. And I was just like, well, I can't afford a place like this. And they were just like, oh, but for a case like yours, your doctors would love to take a look and try to figure out what, what's wrong with you. And I was like, all right, if it's, if it's free, it's fine. So here I am. And Dr. Roger said, yeah, but there's plastic. In your blood, and then the patient uh, named Greg was just like, "Yeah, that's that's what they told me." And then Doctor Rogers says, "No, but it's in you. How is that possible?" And then Greg said, "I listen, Doc. I don't. uh, I don't know. I don't know how this happened." Doctor Rogers said, "Okay, well." If you if you're willing to do it we want to keep you around for observation uh, we have some beds available if you'd like uh, we can escort you to one um, keep you on surveillance uh, monitor your behavior your diet we really I, we're, I really want to study you and then greg said um all right i gotta tell work about it um, but if i'm some medical anomaly uh, i'll just say hey i might be in a textbook someday So that's what Greg did. He stayed at the Brandywine Foundation. And Dr. Rogers blew off his two days off to keep Greg under close observation. Dr. Rogers probably spent four months trying to observe observe Greg his genetic makeup observed his behavior, his diet his proclivities contacted the company that made the ramen container to see if there's anything special about that type of plastic. Even the company that manufactured the microwave. To see if it had some sort of strange effect on the cup of noodles. Dr. Rogers couldn't quite figure it out. His hair was getting grayer. More lines appeared in his face. one day, uh, Gre- uh, Dr. Rogers invited Greg to his office. And then Greg said, Hey, hey buddy, how's it going? They got to know each other pretty well at this point. Um, but uh, Dr. Rogers was not in a jovial spirit today. He's so, like, Yeah, um. So, yeah, Greg, so you've been here for, what, like four months? And Greg said, yeah, um, yeah, I don't have a job anymore at this point. Uh, I Pretty much live here now. Yeah, my family stopped talking to me, just being all like, oh, why do you want to be an experiment for plastic? And I was just like, I'm not an experiment. It's just for science, you know? But they, they weren't into it, so I'm just, you know, I'm pretty much fucking around at this point. And then Dr. Rogers was like, "Yeah, okay, okay, but I don't I don't know what's wrong with you, though. I do not have a diagnosis." And then Greg was like, "Yeah, I mean, I understand, you know, no worries." And then Dr. Rogers was like, "No, you don't understand. I don't know what's wrong with you." I would, many people would say that I am the best at detecting uh, anomaly diseases uh, in the Western Hemisphere. So if I can't figure out what's wrong with you, then there's a bat's chance out of hell that someone else will. And Greg said, well, I mean, what does that mean? I mean, what what will I do then? And Dr. Rogers said, I don't know. I mean, whatever you have doesn't seem very contagious. There's no other cases with your condition uh, that I've looked into that have been news reports or anything. You know, um, yeah, and you're not really sick or ill, uh you know, you had that fever once, but that was... You know, it was just the typical, uh, flu. But yeah, there's no, uh, impact on your behavior, uh... On your brain, or your organs, or anything like that. Typically, I'd be concerned if you were... That you would have a premature death, but... There's nothing I can detect that can, uh, that would indicate that. So, Greg, I think... You know, if you're willing to live uh, with this uh, X factor in your life, I think you're free to go on this one. And Greg uh, said, "Well, don't you have any? Don't you have any ideas at all? Like, not even? Surely, it could it's got to be something, right?" And then Dr. Rogers leaned back and said, "Well." I only have one idea. Uh, and Greg said, "Well, let's hear it." Sure. And Doctor Rogers said, "Well, my only uh, best guess is just uh, you're you're not human." Greg didn't say anything after that. Dr. Roger said, yeah, if you were a human, uh, the, all that plastic in your blood would kill you easily. You know, the human body cannot function, you know, with that quantity of plastic in them. Or at least what we recognize as plastic. I don't quite know what those cells are. So my only guess is that you have some sort of genetic makeup that's very similar to a human being with this other... Classic factor and there's something about your body system that can endure it it's not like human bodies to experience it so you must not be human that's my only my only guess you know and then Greg said uh, okay I mean, I am adopted. Doctor Dr. Doctor Roger said, "What do you mean?" And then Greg said, "Yeah, I'm uh, I'm adopted. I uh, you know, yeah, it's the gist of it. You know, I didn't never knew my birth parents. Uh, they didn't give a name when they dropped me off at the uh the orphanage, but yeah, it's true." Dr. Rogers says, and you're just telling me this now. So, when I asked you about uh, your family's history with illnesses, you didn't decide to bring this up at all? And Greg said, Well, no, because, I mean, there's no point, because I don't, I have no way of tracking it. Uh, I figured that it would be something that you'd find out and then look into yourself. I mean, I don't, I, you know, just letting you do your job. And Dr. Roger said, this is important information because, you know, at this point, maybe you're not human. Maybe you were, I don't know, maybe you were dropped off here from space. Maybe you were, maybe you emerged from the earth as some other, uh, you know, subterranean creature. Uh, But either way, you're not one of us. And Greg said, well, what do I, what do I do now? And Dr. Roger said, again, I don't know. Um, live your life, I guess. I mean, maybe they dropped you off for a reason, but maybe they didn't. Maybe you just have shitty space parents. I don't know. And Greg said, well, do you know of any, um... Any people that do the, this kind of research at all, you know, for any extraterrestrials or uh, creature dwellers or whatever, any kind of Area 51 stuff. And then Dr. Rogers says, I have some, you know what, I have some numbers, but yeah, I'll give you to them if you want to try to reach out and figure out what your deal is. And Greg said, yeah, I think I do. And then Dr. Rogers gave uh, Greg some numbers and contacts. And then Greg went off. And then after Greg left, uh, Dr. Rogers was just sitting in his office, uh, leaning in his big, big chair. I was just thinking, uh, I really do need that vacation. Then the phone rings, and he answers it. He's just like, hello? And a voice on the other line says, uh, what did you say to Greg. said, what do you mean? What did I say to him? And the voice said, "Did did you find out? Did you find out who he was? Dr. Rogers says, no, I ruled out everything else, but no, I never found out specifically. The phone hung up and that was that dr Rogers just sat there he was obsessed with trying to figure out what Greg uh, what he was or what his sickness was. As, far as he was concerned it was it was a stain on his career to never know for certain meanwhile Greg was outside the foundation uh, waiting for a lift ride. Stomach started to get really, uh, he started to feel a lot of pain in his stomach. He clenched it, uh, he could barely stand. He started to moan and scream in agony. Then he fell over, clutching himself. Eventually the lift card came over. And saw Greg, uh, rolling around hysterically on the ground. And the driver, uh, got out of the car and like, Oh my god, are you okay? Greg said, no, no, get back. Get back. I don't know what this is. Meanwhile, Dr. Rogers was still inside his office. And the other doctors were running down the hall. Dr. Rogers followed. Doctor Roger saw Greg screaming in agony. It was some, he's worked in medical care for a very long time. But he's never heard something anything more blood curdling. It had a human tone to it but there are other un- undertones uh throatier deeper it was like he was hearing five voices at once Greg kept trying to uh, gasp for air, but it just looked like he was suffocating. And he shot a look at Dr. Rogers, giving a pleading look. Please help me look. But Dr. Rogers just stared at him, frozen. There was someone with paramedic training, and they were trying to work on Greg. Trying to get his pulse, trying to figure out what was wrong with him. But still, Greg's eyes were on Dr. Rogers, as if he was saying, do something, do something. And then Greg let out one loud scream, and that scream let out all the air out of his body, and he never inhaled it in. lied there, rigid. Possibly more solidified because of the plastic in his body. Dr. Rogers sighed and just... Went over to a bench outside the foundation. of the doctors, uh, the one that first told him about Greg's case, walked up to him and asked him, how how are you feeling? Dr. Rogers said, you know, I would have accepted that I never could have figured out uh, what was wrong with him on on an intellectual level, on a level of reputation uh, for my career and all that my mastery being, just falling short. That's something I could have, could have accepted, you know. But if I did figure out, uh, what was wrong with him, or what he was, at least. Maybe I could have saved him. Maybe if I did something different, uh, something I overlooked. That I wouldn't have this, this, such this, this pain or remorse inside me. And on some level I'll probably uh, carry it with me for the rest of my days. The undoctor nod, nodded. He didn't know what to say to that. But all he can come up with was, listen, Dr. Rogers, uh, you did good. You did your best. And then Dr. Rogers chuckled and said, yeah, well, Tell that to Greg. Okay. This next story is called... It's a Simple Trip to the Market. It's a simple trip to the market, bread, eggs, milk, cheese. That's all you gotta get? That's all it has to be. Bread, milk, eggs, and cheese. That's what Herman kept saying to himself. You know, trying to pep him up for the simple trip to the market. It was just at the market, uh, you know, two blocks away. It was open late night. It's pretty small. It's not like a labyrinth, you know. Just bread, milk, eggs, and cheese. That's that's all he had to get. Maybe maybe some snacks if he felt like. You know, maybe some ice cream. You know, could munch on that for a little bit. I really did hate that ever since he broke his phone that, uh, basic tasks are more difficult. He would always keep his, make his grocery lists on his phone, on his phone notes. He still wrote down a notepad, it wasn't a big deal, but... Still. There's also the emergency component of, uh, you know, calling someone if you could get in trouble. Because there weren't payphones around, you know, like, if there was an emergency, he was kind of fucked. But still, the market was two blocks away, and it was a simple trip. He didn't even have to write down what he needed. It was just bread, milk, eggs, and cheese. It's as simple as anything could possibly be simple. So he we went to the market, grabbed a little, uh, grabbed a little carry cart, a little basket, and he's like, alright, here we go. Bread, milk, eggs, and cheese, you know? It's like a little song about it, you know? It's just a simple thing. Bread, milk, and eggs, and cheese, you know? So he was going around getting bread, and he's like, okay, what kind of bread? There are loads of, kind of kinds of bread. Some wheat bread, white bread, rye bread. Jewish rye bread is like, oh, what's Jewish rye? It sounds different. Like, no, no, just skip bread. Just get bread. And he's got this random honey wheat bread and it's like, oh, "Hey, done. Boom. Just something for egg sandwiches in the morning. Not a not a big deal." And he was like, "Okay, what's next? Uh, shit. Um, bread milk, milk. Milk. I like milk sometimes. The milk I have is uh, expired get some more. It's simple. She's going to get some milk. Again, a lot of kinds of milk. But also there's cow's milk, almond milk, oat milk, soy milk, hemp milk. Like, oh, what's hemp milk? Sounds good. You know, I had that with a. Once I had a chai tea latte at a, at a coffee store once, a uh, coffee shop. There's hemp milk in it. It was steamed and it was hot. And I was like, oh, this is the best fucking hot drink that I've ever had. You know, and it wasn't a, it wasn't that bullshit like chai mix. This was like actual like tea. You know, that they, made and made the, put spices in there and everything. And it was just fucking solid, man. And it's all, it's all tea had to be. It just had to be fucking good. And they had the tea and they mixed it with the hemp. And it was. Uh, maybe I can do that. And he's like, No, no, you don't have any. You don't. You know, don't do that. Don't just get. Don't don't get into being a, you know, a amateur, expert barista like overnight. You know, just it's all steam milk. But even still, you're not just gonna learn a whole set of new hobbies just because you feel like it in one instantaneous moment and then don't stick with it uh, for the next several months. So as long as anything. As long as it takes to be good, that's how long it takes. But uh, yeah, I'm rambling. Just get the milk. Anyone got some skim milk? Got a gallon. Boom, done. Got the bread. Got the milk. Now it's for the eggs. Again, lots of eggs. This market, uh, probably the most versatility of eggs that he's ever seen. You know, they had chicken eggs. They had duck eggs quail eggs, which were smaller and spotted. And they also had a special on, uh, on ostrich eggs, which was a, a rarity. Again, it was a simple market, but they offered things they couldn't find anywhere else we you've never seen an ostr- ostrich egg, uh, they're huge. Like, gigantic. Those were like a behind-the-counter product they had to get specifically. And Herma was thinking about it, just like, oh, okay, an ostrich egg. That sounds exciting. Like, what could I do with that? You know, I could make like a giant sandwich or something. I can just cook it up all at once, scramble it, and then pack it up and freeze it just like distribute it for like the next month for my egg sandwiches and serve it to guests you know we can have an ostrich party you know that'll be the bomb you know or if I have some someone over we have a romantic night and I'll be like oh do you, wanna, you want some of my ostrich egg and they're just like what and I'm just like yeah fucking ostriches they're delicious their eggs are at least their unborn children are you know you want some ostrich and they're just like no and I'll be like okay more for me you know Tip the top with a hammer, like that Atlantic episode, like that uh, Al- Atlanta episode, and be like, "Oh yeah, fucking eggs." And then, uh, then Herman got sidetracked I was like, "Ah, oh, do- you're doing it again? Stop!" And Herman was like, "Okay, I'm just gonna, just gonna get the uh, get, just get, you know, I'll, I'll go, I'll get duck eggs. I like duck eggs. Good thing of duck eggs. Good. They're, the yolk is creamier and thicker." Tastes better than chicken eggs I think so got the milk um shit what else did I come in here for did I want to get tea no I have tea at the house but I wanted to make chai lattes but I don't have anything to steam milk with but it'll be cool to make some make some tea but you have tea so you don't need that here got the bread got the eggs Um, got some skim milk and yeah skim milk Okay, I got three things one more thing I needed. Shit, okay, um fuck. Herman was having a lot of struggle, have a lot of trouble trying to remember what he tried to get. He was thinking and he was like, okay. Got the bread. Got the milk. Got the eggs. Uh fuck, okay, um Shit, well fuck. Fuck, what was it? Bread, milk, eggs something. Okay, just, just walk around walk around, uh, window shop, don't get too many things, there's one other thing, that much I know, but I'm just gonna, gonna go browse, look around, you know, what what can go wrong, so Herman was walking around, uh, got the bread, the milk, the eggs, he was trying to look for that fourth object, he was just like, I should have written it down, have seen a lot of cool stuff in the market, you know. Like, Oh, there's some tea. I do need some tea. You have tea, but you don't have the cool kind of tea. And this cool, like, hibiscus, hibiscus ginger? Like, what the fuck is that? And they got a bunch of kombucha? That's okay. I don't, I don't know much about that. I mean, fermented tea? That sounds nice. And you kept walking around. It's like, oh, lunch meat? Oh, I could use some lunch meat, maybe. No, I think I already have lunch meat. But, you know, I think... I don't know. I think there's this one deli nearby that I like to go to for lunch meat. This isn't like the deli. This, this isn't the place where I get like my meat though. So I do need that too. But that's not why I came in here. But I could have like a nice dinner tonight. But it's already late. It's like you know. It's like 11 to 30 a.m. Just get the get the things and then just head back, go to sleep, and it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Herman kept walking around, but he was getting nervous. He's getting concerned that he couldn't remember this fourth thing. And he's just thought, oh, you know, I could just... I could just, you know, leave um, without the thing. Get the three things. I do need these three things. I think there will be enough. That'll be a successful trip to the market. You know, it's, it's not a big deal that you forgot one thing. But fuck, you know what's going to happen. I'm just going to walk out and then, like, slap myself in the forehead. being all you know, like, oh, I could have gotten that fourth thing. Uh, shoot. You know... It's gonna, or it's gonna strike me like at 2am and I'll just be like, ah, oh, fuck, I, should've, I forgot to get the cheese. Fuck, the cheese, it was cheese. That was the fourth thing. Bread, milk, eggs, and cheese. Yes. Oh my god, awesome. Okay. So Herman went to the cheese section. Now this wasn't your run-of-the-mill Velveeta cheese section. They had a lot of specialty cheeses. They had Gouda, they had Avarati, cheddar provolone. I was like, okay. Ah, Fuck, I think cheese was one of those things that I also got at the deli, but I remember that I wanted to walk in to get it here for some reason. Was there a certain kind of cheese that I wanted? Shit, I don't know if there was. Oh God damn it! This is hard. Uh. <clears throat> and then uh, a grocery store person kind of walked up to him, was like, "Oh, do you need help with anything, sir?" And Herman said, "No, no, 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 I'm fine. I um, I got the, I got the bread, milk, and eggs. I just need some cheese, Then I'll be, that I'll be out of here." And then she looked concerned. She's like, "Are you sure you'll be out of here?" And then Herman said, "Yes, thank you. I, I got, I almost got everything I need, and then I'll be done with this place for the evening, you know." And she'd be like, "Okay, if you say so. Let me know if you need help with anything." And Herman said, "Yeah, okay. You don't gotta, you don't gotta worry about me, you know." And then the, and then the grocery store person was like, "Yeah, I know. It's just, you know, I, 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 I want to help out. You know, that's all." Herman said, oh, well, okay, well, um, unless you recommend a good kind of cheese, um, otherwise, no, i will be good, and then she said, uh, oh, uh, yeah, well, I recommend the, uh, the Dubliner cheese, that's good, and he was like, that's right, I think I did want to get that, you know, it sounds really cool, is it from Dublin, and she's like, I, I don't know, presumably, um, that would be my best guess, it's called Dubliner Cheese. I don't think it would be called that if it wasn't from Dublin, or at the very least, Dublin-inspired in some way. Um, and then Herman was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, I'll get the Dubliner Cheese. I'm going to grab it and put it in my cart. So Herman got the cheese. And, you know, and the grocery store employee nodded. And then it seemed a little bit uncomfortable, but she walked away. And then Herman was like, oh my god, I did it. I actually did it. I got everything that I needed to get from here. Got the bread, got the milk, got the eggs, and I got the cheese. All four things I needed for the store. All right, I'm good. So Herman went off to to the cash register. And he's like, I got all the things that I needed. And they were like, oh, okay. The cashier just seemed, uh, not necessarily dismissive, but just like, okay, man, congratulations on getting your, uh, bread, milk, eggs, and cheese. And then Homer's was like, yeah, that's right. Bread, milk, eggs, and cheese. Just like I knew I would. So then, uh, you know, the cashier's, uh, person rang him up, and, uh, Herman was feeling for his wallet, um, and he found it, but it felt a little bit lighter, and he pulled it out, and it looked empty. And he was like, oh, no. And the cashier was like, what's wrong? He's like, oh, I, Herman was just like, I I, 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 I thought I had cash or something, um, I, yeah, I don't do know, I, I don't know, I don't know, I thought I I, I, I could have sworn I just, like, packed, like, jammed a 20 in somewhere, um, and the cashier was like, well, do you have a card or anything like that? And I, Herman was like, no, um, well, I, all my, all my cards were, like, on my phone, and I broke my phone, um, oh, shoot, I don't know. He kept checking his uh, bag pockets, his shirt pockets, and then suddenly oh, yes, yes! He pulls out a crumpled 20. He's like, here you go, sir. And the cashier's like, great, thanks. He rings him up, charges him. And then that's the end of it. And the Hermo's like, okay, I did it. It was a simple trip to the grocery market. I got what I needed. God, it feels good to be a gangster. And the cashier's like, what? And the Hermo's like, I-, I don't know, I'm just quoting some song I heard once. Um, anyway, thank you. Uh, so then Herman left. And he's walking back to his house. he's like, alright, I got the bread, milk, eggs, and cheese. I don't know why I thought that was so complicated. That's all it had to be, just a simple trip to the market. So to get back to his house, he had to uh, cross, a, cross underneath a uh, bridge. And he stopped. He was like, wait a minute. Something's wrong. Herman had a bad feeling about the bridge. He's like, I don't know why. But this is the part that kind of fucks me up. I was afraid of heights when I was a kid. I wasn't, you know, like whenever I wasn't crazy about bridges or anything. But this is something more, you know. I saw a bridge collapse once, but... You know, I was far away, it wasn't a big deal. I think when I would... A year after that, I'd freak out about walking under bridges. but... Again, like, I got over it, but... Something about this bridge is off. I don't like it. I'd go around, but I walked here, so I'd have to just, like, go into the other direction for, like, a block and a half, and then, like, turn two blocks, it's not, like, an easy, like, street access... So it'll take me like four times as longer to get back to my house when really it's just like a like a 5 minute walk, you know. I really just don't want to like lug it. I'm tired. I got my bread, milk, eggs and cheese. And yeah, you know. I just I just want to I just just want to the market. I don't want to I don't, I don't want to keep doing this, you know? It's just a simple trip. That's all fuck it, I'm just gonna go through the bridge, I don't know why I'm so afraid of it, but I'm just gonna go under and just go back to my place and put my stuff in the fridge and go to sleep and then have, like, a really stellar egg sandwich with, uh, like, some coffee and, uh, you know, a little bit of milk in it. That's, that's all I want. Just a simple start to my day, you know? It would be nice to start my day, you know? That's, that's all I need. I want the start of my day to be good, is what I'm saying. Herman is really perplexed by him just, like, standing at, like, this bridge threshold, rambling to himself. And he's just like, just just fucking do it. It's a simple trip to the market. Just go. Just go. So he started to approach the bridge. He started to feel lightheaded in a way that felt familiar. He's like, okay. I don't like this, but I'm already I'm halfway. I'm already walking. Here I go. Keeps walking. But something feels off. He wouldn't, he probably wouldn't describe it as time slowing down. But you know, when you do something like, uh, when you travel, or you have a drastically new experience, or in a new environment, you know, or when you're a child, your brain takes. Longer to experience things, and it feels like time slows down because your brain's taking extra effort to dissect everything, and it feels like time is moving slower. That's why it feels like time moves faster the older you get. But and Herman was having this moment, but the further he walked, the slower everything became. And it really started to unnerve him for reasons that he didn't quite know why, and it really frustrated him. He's like, it's just a trip to the market. It's just a trip to the market. You can do this. You can do this. Then he started to hear this, uh, this sound. It's kind of like a ringing in his ears. Um, but it was more of a static, you know, something you'd hear from a television or a radio or something like that. And it unnerved him, because he's heard this sound before. But he was already underneath the bridge at this point, He's just like, just go, just go. Don't worry about it. But again, it felt wrong. Again, for reasons he couldn't understand. But things started to slow down. It started to feel like molasses at this point. It didn't even feel like he was making the decision to walk. He was just making that motion as if he was always making it as if he was always going to and always would the static became louder and everything became blurrier it was getting harder to see again it was looking more like a visual static around everywhere and all the you know all the the ceiling of the the bottom of the bridge and the uh, long pillars of it the graffiti around and the street and the gravel. And the distance past the bridge and the open sky and all that all started to like blur a little bit more. Everything was blurring and becoming more statically, staticky. The sound of static was getting louder and everything was him and everything was moving slower and slower and slower until everything stopped and blacked out. He was on the side of the bridge that he entered. And he was walking out of it, heading to the market. He felt a little bit sweaty and out of breath and very disoriented. And then Herman was just like, "Okay, this isn't a big deal. I don't know why I'm making this so complicated, you know. All I need is just bread, milk, eggs, and cheese. That's it. That's all I need. You know, I live two blocks a two, blo- two block walk to my house. I don't know why I'm stressing out about this, you know. You know, I've done this before. I've done this plenty of times, you know. It's just a simple thing, you know. It's just a quick grocery trip. Gotta pick up a couple of things. It's just a simple trip to the market. Well, that was Quarantine Spook Show. I'm Kyle Karesi. It's good to be back. Uh, I don't know, man. Shit, a lot of happened. A lot happened in the past two months. You know, the break started. The break I was taking uh, started off because I got fucking COVID and Omicron happened, and I was fucking everything up for everyone. You know. I'm sure everyone else has their own personal turmoils and problem that, problems that they're dealing with. And then there's also the news of the of Ukraine that's just hit, uh, just totally fucked, and has everyone nervous and talking about it for a variety of reasons. Um, I don't know, man. Shit. Just stay safe. That's my best advice. All right. Take care, everyone, and good night.